Hello, this is Art Walensky, and I'm going to introduce you to another episode of the Messianic Jewish Expositor. We're going to do something a little different today. I want to talk with you about whether or not a rabbi can become a believer in Jesus, in Yeshua. And I'm going to present it in the form of a little story, a narrative, where there is an interaction between Dr. Ben Kaplan, a Jewish professor of medicine and a fictional character, and his students and a rabbi. So here goes. Hi. I'm looking for the office of Dr. Benjamin Kaplan, said the young man. The man was tall and appeared to be about 30 years old. He wore a black frock coat and a black Homburg hat and had a full black beard. Instead of typical sideburns, he had payas. They were long, full, and spiral-shaped. He wore a smile and looked to be approachable. Dr. Kaplan's receptionist, Denise, answered, You're in the right place. Are you Rabbi Jonah Greenberg? Yes, I am. I'm Sarah's friend, said the rabbi. You must be here for the weekly meeting, said Denise. Please come with me, rabbi. Shalom, Rabbi Greenberg, said Ben Kaplan. We are so glad that you're here today. Of course, you know Sarah. Let me introduce you to Josh and Matt. Ben made the introductions and the rabbi took a seat. Rabbi, Sarah said that you have some concerns, but she didn't tell me what they were. Do you feel comfortable sharing your concerns with the four of us? Of course, you know that Sarah is Jewish, and I'm Jewish. Josh and Matt are Gentile and are believers in Jesus, said Ben. I'm comfortable sharing, Dr. Kaplan. I want to know about Jesus, or Yeshua, as you call him. I'm told that you believe he is God. I don't understand how that could be. If Jesus is God, then who is my heavenly father? Certainly he, my heavenly father, is king of the universe, and he is my God. Do you believe in my father and king, God of heaven and earth, and Lord of the universe? Asked Rabbi Greenberg. I certainly do believe in him, Rabbi answered Ben Kaplan. Do you believe in one God? Do you believe in monotheism, Dr. Kaplan? Asked the rabbi. Do you know the Shema? Ben Kaplan responded. I want to tell you something before I answer, rabbi. I sense that your questions are sincere and that you want to know the truth. Rabbi, I know the Shema, and I definitely believe in one God. I also believe that Yeshua, who is the Messiah, is God. And I believe that God, 
My heavenly Father and King is also God. God is one, but he is a complex one. He is one God in three persons, said Ben. Now you're including the Holy Spirit, Ruach HaKodesh. He is God too, Dr. Kaplan, asked the rabbi. Yes, rabbi, he is God too. The third person of the one triune God, said Ben. Can you prove this to me, said the rabbi. I believe I can, rabbi, and I'd like to begin making the case using the Shema, said Ben. Dr. Kaplan, it would be truly amazing if you could do that by using the Shema. I'm all ears, said the rabbi. Okay, rabbi, let's start by looking at the Shema. First in English and then in Hebrew, said Ben. With burning curiosity, Josh exclaimed, Rabbi, what is the Shema? Josh, the Shema was given to the children of Israel by the Lord through Moses. You will find it in the Tanakh, Deuteronomy 6.4, which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Josh, these words recited morning and evening in the synagogue represent the core of what it means to be a Jew. God is one. There is, simply put, no polytheism in Judaism. And Moses made that abundantly clear to the nation of Israel before the people entered the promised land. Dr. Kaplan, can I use your whiteboard? Asked the rabbi. Of course, rabbi, said Ben. The rabbi quickly wrote on the board. The transliteration of the Shema from the Hebrew is this. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. So the Shema essentially defines Judaism. It is the most emphatic statement that God is one. Do I have that right, Rabbi? Asked Matt. You've got it, Matt, said Rabbi Greenberg. And I could not agree more, said Ben Kaplan. But I want to ask a question at this point. Could one have more than one meaning? What do you mean, Dr. Kaplan, said Sarah. I want you all to please focus on two words that are on the whiteboard, Ben Ben explained. Those two words are Eloheinu and Echad. Now, let me try to explain further. No expert in Hebrew grammar would deny that Eloheinu is a masculine plural construct noun. So it seems to me that Eloheinu is a plural one. We translate it as meaning our God, but it is a plural word. And echad means one also, but it is often a complex one, said Ben. Let me give you some examples 
regarding Echad. Genesis 2.24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Echad. Numbers 7.27. One bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, a year old, for a burnt offering. All of these are echad, and I will explain further in a moment. Numbers 13, 23. And they came to the valley of Eshkol and cut down from there a branch with a single echad, a single cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two of them. They also brought some pomegranates and figs. Exodus 26.6, and you shall make 50 clasps of gold, talking about the tabernacle here, and couple the curtains one to the other with the clasps so that the tabernacle may be a single echad whole. There are a great many other examples I could give today, but I want to give just one more because in a way, it especially agrees with the use of Echad in the Shema. The verse speaks of the future time of the Messianic kingdom. It's Zechariah 14.9, and the Lord, yud and the Lord will be king over all the earth on that day. The Lord will be one, Echad, and his name one, Echad. Rabbi, you are an expert in the Hebrew language, so I don't know that I have any explaining to do to you. But for the benefit of my students, I'm going to explain. Each word in the above verses, each Echad, in Hebrew, has the cardinality of one. Whether the word is actually one or whether the word is actually single. In each verse, the single unit described is made up of more than one component, yet it is still single or one. It still has the cardinality of one. A husband and wife become one flesh. One bull, one ram, and one male lamb become one offering. Many grapes comprise a single cluster. Components of the tabernacle combine to make a single whole. And lastly, the Lord, Yahweh, who is going to be king over all the earth, is a plural one. And his name, Hashem, is a plural name. There are hundreds of examples like this in the Tanakh. But what about a one that has no complexity? What about a single unit that can have no distinguishable, separate components? Dr. Kaplan, you are talking about the word yachid, and it is used very 
infrequently in the Tanakh. Let me give you an example. Genesis 22.2, he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, your Yahid, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. The word for only here is Yahid. So when God told Abraham to sacrifice his son, his one and only son, God used the word Yahid, said Rabbi Greenberg. Do you agree with me, Dr. Kaplan? Yes, definitely, said Ben. Matt had a question. Didn't Abraham have two sons at this point? Didn't he have both Ishmael and Isaac as sons? So why is Isaac Abraham's one and only son? Dr. Kaplan, do you mind if I answer that question? Asked the rabbi. Not at all, rabbi, said Ben. Matt, Isaac was the son of promise, the son who God gave to Abraham through Sarah, Abraham's wife. Through Isaac came Jacob, and through Jacob came the 12 tribes of Israel. And it is through one tribe, the tribe of Judah, and later through King David, that God promised that the Messiah would come. This line of inheritance could come through one and only one son. That is the reason that Isaac was Abraham's one and only son, Yahid, explained the rabbi. What a great explanation, rabbi, said Ben Kaplan. Now I have a question for you. When the Rambam, Rabbi Moses Ben Maimon, formulated his 13 cardinal principles of the Jewish faith. He said that God is an absolute indivisible unity. But if that is the case, would not God have used Yahid in his word, in the Shema, rather than Echad? Why didn't the Rambam, Maimonides, say that? said Ben. Surely what Maimonides has said has influenced many millions of Jews over the centuries. You know, that is a very interesting question, Ben. May I call you Ben, said the rabbi? Please do call me Ben, and I'll call you Jonah, if that is okay with you, said Ben. Absolutely, Ben, said the rabbi. Well, I think we've established something today. The Shema refers to God as Echad, and that means that God could be a complex single God, a complex one, or a complex unity. I do not see this as contradicting any basic tenets of Judaism, Ben explained. But there is another word in the Shema that we must investigate, said Ben. That word is Eloheinu. And as we noted earlier, it is a plural noun. 
What might that signify? <laughs> Sarah, before our next meeting, I'd like you to go online to this website, www.biblicalresearch.info, and see what Dr. David L. Cooper had to say about the Shema. Would you do that, please, said Ben? I can't wait to do it, Dr. Kaplan, and if you don't mind, I'm going to ask Josh and Matt to help me with that assignment, said Sarah. Great, Sarah. Jonah, could you join us for our next meeting, and would you close us in prayer today, asked Ben. I look forward to that next meeting, Ben, responded the rabbi, and let me pray the ironic benediction over all of you right now. The rabbi recited the blessing from Numbers chapter 6. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yish merecha, ya'er Adonai panavelecha v'chudnecha, yisa Adonai. Shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Thanks, Jonah. We'll see you all next week, said Ben. And we will continue this discussion next week. This is Art Walensky, the Messianic Jewish Expositor. Thank you for listening.